I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, Penn State fans. Whenever you're listening to this, this is Johnny McGonigal, joined by Dave Jones for the Blue White Breakdown. We're recording this here on Wednesday afternoon. Dave from his lovely spot there in Des Moines, Iowa, fresh <laughs> off of a great day of travel, I'm sure. Philly to Chicago, Chicago to Des Moines. Dave, how you doing? If I say things that make no sense whatsoever, just bear with me because I got up at four. Definitely, uh, definitely where uh, every Penn State fan wanted to go for Penn State's first NCAA tournament game since uh, 2011. Hey, we got lucky a few times. I mean, we got lucky in 2011. This only happens about once a decade. So we got lucky uh, actually the last two times. New Orleans in 01, uh, Tucson in 11. Of course, 20, we don't know what ha- would happen, but uh, I think it was Providence in 96 and Syracuse in 91. Yeah. yeah, we we were due. I think we were due. Well, hey, you go talk about going places. Penn State uh, has an opportunity to, I don't know, make a little run here, Dave. But the seeding did them no favors. They're a 10 seed uh, in the Midwest region and uh, up against a seven seed in Texas A&M. They're playing at 955 or at least scheduled for 955 p.m. Thursday night. Uh, we'll see if the games before it go late and maybe push that back a little bit. But uh, looking at a potential like 12.30 in the morning finish Eastern time. I don't know. Do, do you have any uh, initial beat on where you're leaning in terms of how Penn State matches up in this game? You know, are, are Penn State fans to be cracking a celebratory or a sad beer uh, at 12.30 a.m. Eastern? On Well, you, you never know what's going to happen in games like this between uh, completely different kinds of teams. I'll say this. It's like the old uh, bromide for boxing that styles make fights. These are two completely different kinds of styles. Texas A&M is no seven seed. Uh, if anyone read what I wrote about the seeding a couple days ago, Jerry Palm missed this seed by three. Joe Lenardi missed it by two. Those guys do not miss seeds by more than one very often. Usually they don't miss them at all. Jerry's done, uh, by my count, he's been doing this 30 years. So that's about two, a little over 2,000 seedings and he can't recall ever missing one by three i think a&m should be a four and penn state should be an eight or nine i really anticipated they had won themselves into kind of a bad spot you don't want to be the eight or nine because the second game if you win you go up against the one almost certainly uh so they don't have that but they went up against probably 
the 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 most underseeded. Well, it's not probably. It's the the most underseeded team in the tournament. And then if they win, they get maybe the second most underseeded team because I think people are talking about the difference between Texas and Purdue. Uh, you know, about a week before the tournament, that maybe Texas, even Jerry Palm, who is a Purdue grad, was considering lifting Texas up into the one spot and demoting Purdue. He didn't do it, but that's how good they are. That's a really good team. So, so Dave, you're telling me you're not picking Colgate over Texas in the first round? It, 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 hey, anything can happen in this term. That's why it's great because Colgate's got shooters, man. Uh, I've, I've, they've, they've been really good for a while there, and they've got guys who can play. So it's not impossible. I saw them in Columbus a couple of years ago. They were really good. But in general, A&M, A&M plays a kind of ball that's, I don't know if physical is the right word. They play fast. And they are not tall, but they are slapped together. So you've got guys. You got guys who play fast and hard. You know they're they're kind of like water bucks. They're they're really really good at jumping into passing lanes, deflecting balls. Penn State's going to have to know what it's doing very well, or you're talking about live ball turnovers. And then these guys light out on runouts, and they're very good in that situation. What they're not good at is perimeter shooting. So I would I would guess Penn State kind of wants to make this a station-to-station game to some extent. But on the other hand, that's kind of what A&M likes. They're, they're, they're like a city version of Wisconsin. Now, if that's code, so be it. <laughs> they're, like a, they're, like, they're like an urban version of Wisconsin, meaning ugly, but yet not not as pasty as Wisconsin is, and that's that's the way they they they're going to make you play ugly, but they don't play slow and plotting. They 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 play fast, and they can make you play ugly that way. And they're battle tested too, right? They're what seventeen and four in the SEC. Yeah, um, yeah. It, one of the best conferences in the country, probably the second best uh, behind the Big Twelve this year. And you're looking at a team like that too, coached by Buzz Williams, who has so much tournament experience with Marquette, with Virginia Tech, um, and now with Texas A&M, his home state school. And on the flip side, Micah Shrewsbury obviously has been on the bench uh, with Purdue and with Butler and his coach with Brad Stevens and all that good stuff. This is his first NCAA tournament That's right. as a head coach and a, a guy who you know we've seen over the last few days get a lot of interest from other schools, reported interest. Uh, from the likes of what Notre Dame and Georgetown and high profile schools, programs trying to fill spots, looking Micah's way. And uh, you look at this as an opportunity for him to kind of announce himself if, he's, if he hasn't already uh, done so. And uh, and you look at this as an opportunity as, you know, for Jalen Pickett specifically as well. Dave, my one of my favorite things about the NCAA tournament is always that it, it seems like one or two teams catch kind of catch a wave and catch a run on the back of just one really good player and and a guy that like five, 10 years down the line, you'll be like, Oh, I remember him. Like I, I remember Ali Farouk Manesh making that shot for Northern Iowa. I remember <laughs> Northern that. Iowa, 2010. Yeah. I remember Kevin Pitsnoggle for West Virginia. 2005. I wonder if people, I, I wonder if people down the line are going to look back and say, I remember Jalen Pickett from Penn state because it feels like he has a chance to, to kind of do that here. Yeah. But you know, it could be Seth Lundy, buddy. Seth Lundy's playing really well. He, Seth Lundy has looked like an NBA pro the last couple games in the in in just in the way he's defended and the shots that he's made. 
he has squared up and hit some stone cold three pointers when they really needed him. I think maybe he could be a guy and he has scored 20. He's going off for 23, 25 in certain situations. There's also a couple of kids for A&M. Their point guard, Wade Taylor, is the all SEC point guard. He, he does a lot of stuff. He is a really good ball thief, terrific on-ball defender. At the other end, draws a lot of fouls, man. He is fearless. He can stick his nose in there, and he's, he's unafraid, even though he's, I think he's maybe 5'11", and he's only a sophomore. But also, he has floor vision. He sees his teammates. He's a terrific distributor. Uh, there's, there's a reason he was the all-SEC first-team point guard. And he's going to be a problem for them. The, the other kid that, that I'm really impressed with is the guy that will go up against Pickett, I think, a lot of the time. He's their off guard, Tyrese Radford, who uh, sometimes plays kind of like a winger, but he's an off guard. And he doesn't always score a lot. He's, he suffered a little bit in three-point shooting this year. He was a 40% three-point shooter last year, uh, only about 31 32% this year. But he's their team leader. He's, he's the, the heart of the team, and he was recruited initially by Williams at Virginia Tech and joined this program a couple of years ago. Uh, Buzz has been here four years. What you're talking about, Buzz, is he's, he's not only won 10 NCAA games, he's been in 18, and that's, that's a ton for a guy who's not really old. Uh, he has been around. Uh, he hasn't been to any NCAA games with A&M. Did you go back and watch? Uh, last year after they got snubbed? I saw, I, I remember seeing stuff on Twitter about it and he just <laughs> went on this long reign after that NIT game yeah. about yes. the criteria and about everything. But I saw what you wrote and you feel like this, like th- them being seated as a seven and not a four feels like what? It could be even a bigger miss by the committee, by the selection committee than, than leaving them out altogether last year. Yeah, it, it could actually really fuel them. It was a really whiny thing especially for a team that they lost eight in a row in the meat, meat of the sec season last year they, they were nine and nine in the league and they had a lousy non-conference schedule and that was not people had them in but it was kind of like rutgers this year it expected they'd be in and then they weren't and everyone was like oh yeah and no one at the end of a 68 team bracket is is really wrong not anymore i mean they're in any one year, Jerry says to me all the time, and Joe Lenardi says it too, when he's not on camera, that there are really about 57, 58 legitimate NCAA teams in any one year, especially these days. This is not the quality of basketball that we saw certainly 20 years ago. It just isn't. And anyone who gets as emotional as Buzz Williams did about that thing is kind of off the deep end. So they had to, they had to razz him a little bit. But He's a really, really good coach. Uh, he is a good tournament coach. He's been to three different places in three different leagues and taken them all to the tournament now, now that AM is gone. And he did it at Virginia Tech. He did it at Marquette. The funny thing is he, he got that program at Marquette really rolling. And then he takes off for Blacksburg. That's like having Georgetown really rolling and then going to Penn State. That's what that's. <laughs> oh, Micah Shrewsbury. Oh. <laughs> Oops. The thing is, a Big Ten school, I don't know if you saw the ratings for the Big East. This is something else I just read. Ratings for the Big East tournament were really down. 
and, and I think this is something Shrewsbury or all coaches in the reagents are thinking about now. The Big Ten is flush with cash. Any Big Ten program, even Penn State, is a very, pretty good job right now, simply because you have the wherewithal to do what you want in the the transfer portal and NIL in anything if you allocate your funds. It's just a matter of whether Penn State wants to allocate sufficient funds to basketball, which they never have. They never have. Uh, I mean, here I've been hearing buzz that Pat Kraft is really putting together a deal and trying to nail nail Shrewsbury down and wrap this up. Uh, but I don't know if he's going to be able to do it. If I was Shrewsbury's agent, I wouldn't allow it. I mean, it's a gamble. If it depends on whether he thinks he can win this game, and then his value ke- just keeps going up. So it's not something you usually do before the tournament begins. Uh, usually agents want to wait and see how it goes because your value can only go up. And that's the game. That's the game right now. Uh, we'll see what happens. I, I just go back to December when uh, you know, we talked to Pat Crap before the Rose Bowl and he was asked then, and you talked to him then too. Yeah, I got my own one-on-one with him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and the sentiment coming out of that was that, yeah, we're, we'll pay him. Like, like that we'll, we'll keep him. We'll do everything we can. No, he said, he said to me, absolutely. He's yeah. a rock star. And – I'm going to do whatever's necessary. I don't know the exact wording, but I mean, it was very strong. So I, f- I, wanted, to, I wanted to ask that because I had a feeling this would happen. I had a feeling Shrewsbury is a really good coach. He's young. He makes mistakes. But I had a feeling about this team that one way or another, and then, of course, then they were five and nine. I didn't have that feeling anymore. But I squirreled that away for this moment. So, okay, let's, that, there's a lot. There's the talk. Let's see the walk. And, and if you're Shrewsbury, I'm sure you're looking at it both ways, too. If you're getting legitimate interest from other programs that have more history, have more whatever, uh, more cachet than, than Penn State basketball has, you know, on one side, you're thinking, OK, yeah, I have Jalen Pickett here hit on this transfer from Siena and we have this these collection of transfers. Do I kind of strike while the iron's hot here? I got this team that hadn't been in the tournament in 2011 back. Uh, or on the other end, like you mentioned, the Big Ten is going to be flush with money with all this uh, the TV money coming in, uh, and Penn State surely has the money to pay him and has the money and resources not just to pay him, but to have you know support around the basketball program, yes. assistant coaches, yes. everything that goes into it structurally. It's not just paying the head coach; it's everything else. And I think Pat Kraft touched on that uh, back in December. And so here's here's the problem, Johnny. Though I didn't want to interrupt you, but I don't. No, really, you're good. I, I my train of thought is mush right now, so I don't want to forget what I was going to say. Traditionally, right now, the way NIL is being fun- funneled is through donors, because in, in most places where you can get a lot of money, and especially football programs, they don't, they don't want to bust up their budget within the, the entire athletic department if they can help it. But the problem is Penn State basketball has no sugar daddy at all. They don't have any Ira Lubert or Terry, Terry, Terry Pagula, or even, you know, some of the the hockey wrestling, let alone the football donors. I mean, they guys, those guys are lined up. They just don't have any of those traditional kind of donors for Penn State basketball. They are, I heard through a second party about their NIL is, and I'm, I have this on pretty good authority, is at the bottom of the Big Ten in Big Ten basketball, 14 out of 14. And that's the real problem. Uh, this is going to be, a complete overhaul. You've got not Lundy certainly is going to put his name in for the NBA. And I think he, 
I think he should be drafted. I don't know if he will be, but I think he's going to make a team. I mean, I, th- I feel a lot stronger about Lundy than I did about Lamar Stevens, who I really was sketchy about whether he could make a roster, and he has. He's hung around with the Cavaliers, and he, he's stuck. I really think Lundy is an NBA player. He's, he's out of there. Uh, you got all the transfers who are gone. You, Funk and, and Pickett and... I mean, you don't, you're not going to have a lot left. It's, it's a total overhaul, and it's a rebuild. I mean, do you want to go through that if you don't really believe in the, the franchise, the program that, that you're attaching yourself to? Uh, so I think that's probably in, in Shrewsbury's mind, too. Yeah, because like you said, it's, do I want to rebuild here at Penn State if I don't believe in the, in the structural, you know, the, the, the support? where I could go and do something similar, you know, in theory, just rebuilding at a Georgetown or at a Notre Dame that has done it consistently, that has supported their programs, at least more than Penn State has. You know they're supported. Yeah, you know they have donors. I mean, Georgetown basketball is everything to that athletic department. Yes. So, And that's true with a lot of Big East programs because all they care about is basketball. They they have rebranded themselves into what they were. Uh, you know, 40 years ago, which was a basketball conference. They, they hadn't even thought about football back then. And then they tried it and it was a bad idea. So the, they are at root basketball schools who really support basketball. Penn State has been the opposite. So you're trying something new, Aaron. And Penn State has never supported basketball in any way. You're a young guy. I don't even know if you remember 12 years ago, they're fighting to get into the NCAA tournament. And in February, you know where I'm going, right? Yeah, <laughs> they, yeah. they just shut down the Jordan Center for a week and a half so that Bon Jovi could practice. Yep, I was I was a high school senior when this happened, but even then I heard about it. I mean, it's not even a current band; it's an old hair band. Are you kidding me? And they couldn't practice. Not only couldn't they could they not practice in their gym, they couldn't practice in their practice facility next door. Because that was that was booked up half the time by the women, so they were practicing in the intramural building, where the stanchions for volleyball nets were taped over with like adhesive tape, like these clumps in the middle of the floor. And I heard I talked to Nate Bauer that week, and he said that the, the I went over there, the baskets weren't even straight. I said what? He goes, the baskets weren't straight; they were like this. They were, they were like this. And I said, go over there. Go over there and take a picture of it. And he did. And it went viral. I mean, it went national. Like, this is how pathetic Penn State basketball is. This is how much they care. And it's been that over and over and over. They, they did make the NCAA tournament. Then Ed DeCellis comes back to Tim Curley. This is right before the Sandusky scandal. But no one knew that was going to blow. And he says, okay, how about a new contract? And Curly's like, no, you know, they just don't care. They've never cared. So that's what you're fighting. You're fighting these decades and decades of not caring. Uh, That's what you're up against. And and so that's, you know, something that'll be determined in the days, weeks. Mm -hmm. I I don't want to say months because it'll be determined before that uh, in, in the coming days and weeks. But I guess at the time being, though, it's still like one of those where I'm sure Shrewsbury just wants to stay in the moment as much as he can. This team obviously wants to. You mentioned all those transfers. If he wants to stay in the moment, he's got to answer, yeah, I'm going to be here next year. And that's not something his agent wants him to do. It's not something he really wants to do. But that's the only way to stay in the moment. 
because this, that's the elephant in the room. Is he, is he going to be here next year? Would you agree people generally like him? They like his style, right? Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, I think you could tell even after the Purdue game, the most recent game, the, the Big Ten championship game in which they, they fought back like crazy and, and nearly pulled this thing off, the reaction on social media was all like I was seeing gifts of just, you know, people waving money, just like pay this man, you know, pay this man, Pat Kraft, please, because I really do think that's the that's the consensus amongst the fan base. Obviously, it's not their money. Uh, so that's that, that's something that uh, you have to consider here. But, yeah, I, I think generally speaking, a lot of people like him and it's hard to not like a guy that uh, brings your team to the first NCAA tournament in, in over a decade. Yeah, but I, I meant as a person. I think he he, he sent, sends off a good vibe. He sends a genuine bo- vibe out, like a, a real human being, uh, contrasting with the the previous regime. And I don't mean Jim Ferry. That that guy always seemed like he was selling you something, you know, like an infomercial. And you know, Franklin does it sometimes too. But I think there's a real human in there. It's somewhere I've seen him. Uh, Shrewsbury just looks human, and I think people like that. People like him above and beyond how they like what he's done with this very limited team. I mean, it's, it has no interior presence whatsoever. And they're doing it with a, a, a raw freshman who's get, getting a little better in Kebajai. And then you've got Mikey Hen, who's on his fifth school in five years. All of the other ones, low majors. And he's kind of like a cartoon character and goofy, goofy, uh, goofy looking, and, uh, but, but lovable. But he's not that good. And then, then you've got a six-four guy trying to defend the post as the third line of defense in Miles Dread when they go small. This is a very limited team where if they don't do all the right things, they're just they can be not very good, especially on defense. They're just not a great defensive team because they don't have any fly swatter in the back. And when you don't have a guy who can correct your mistakes, somebody gets around you, you make a false step. Guy gets an, a corner on you. Gets, guy gets an angle. Well, in certain places, like at Rutgers, uh, UConn, they've got that guy back there. Even even Michigan, who can swat that stuff. So you can be a little more adventurous on defense. Even the the O one team. Someone brought. I was talking to Bruce Parkhill uh, last night. He said this team reminded him, reminded him of the O one team in that they've got shooters around the floor. And they can ring the thing with shooters. But that team had Jazzy Klein Hurd, who could take care of some business in the back. He, he was athletic. He was only 6'7", but he could rise up and swat some stuff if people got around. That's why they were so, they could be a lot more adventurous on defense. This team just plays position defense, and they're pretty bland on defense. That, that 0-1 team against Carolina, when they beat Carolina 82-74 in New Orleans, they had 18 steals in that game, which was one off the NCAA record, the NCAA tournament record. That's, what, that's how those guys played. They led the league in points scored. They led the league in points allowed. Uh, they were fast and loose. This team can't, can't really get away with that. Uh, so, so I think it's a really limited team that Shrewsbury has done really well to get to 13 and 11 in Big Ten play. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different, and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA 
or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You mentioned, you know, some of the guys like, I mean, this team has a few guys who in what, 10, 15 years are just going to be tearing up their local wide. (laughs) Mikey Hen, like next year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, these are guys who, you know, are just going to roll up and and bring their own ball and they're just going to dominate. I think that's a part of the endearing factor too of this team. It's like, you have you have those guys who come from low majors, and I mean, even a guy you look at Pickett. I mean, obviously he did played really well at at Siena, but uh, I just think it's it's kind of a cool thing in the in this kind of you know now now this era of college basketball and college sports in general that you know the transfer portal and all that, and you have so much movement. But a guy like that can come to a, a Big Ten school and take over and lead a team that hasn't been anywhere in a while to an NCAA tournament and. I don't know. It just feels like it felt like the the Purdue game and the Big Ten tournament run. It just it felt obviously it was a great run, but it didn't feel like it was it was that's that's going to be the the limit to this team. It feels like they got a little bit more in them, and maybe that's just because I have them going past Texas A and M in my bracket. But you know, that's that's why know. this this draw was so dispiriting to me. I mean, if they'd gotten any number of other matchups, they really any number of eight nines. What if they were playing Memphis? You'd give them a great chance against Memphis, wouldn't you? Or Florida Atlantic. Yeah. Well, Florida Atlantic's a pretty damn good team, but Memphis Memphis is dumb. And they they have eaten up done t- dumb teams. They ate up Illinois three straight games. Athletic but stupid. This team tears them apart. If they don't if they're not really attentive on defense, they'll tear you up. Uh where the boring more resolute teams like Wisconsin, Rutgers, they've had a lot of trouble with. I'm afraid A&M is that kind of team on defense. I, I'd be a little worried about Cam Winter, for instance. You were talking about mid-major and low-major guys. Cam Winter is still kind of a mid-major player. He's played better the last three weeks, but he's not physically imposing and he's not tremendously quick and his shot comes and goes. He's He's still is kind of a Drexel level player. Now those players sometimes rise up and they play great in the NCAA tournament, but he's going to come up against physically imposing matchups in these two guys here. They're just, it reminds me of uh, a couple of guys who, who played against Penn state, especially he, the, the point guard reminds me of John Linehan, who I don't know if you remember him, but when John Linehan was maybe the best on the ball defender I've ever seen in college basketball. He played for Providence and Joe Crispin 
uh, really hadn't seen much of him. And I asked him in the, in the pre, uh, the, like the press conference early after, I think it was Monday after Selection Sunday. So you know about this guy? Joe thought he could beat anybody. He could cross over anybody. And he had the ball on a string. I said, well, this guy's a little different. And he, John Linehan had had a steal in every single game that year for Providence. This was, this was a really competitive, tough Providence team, not a, not a team that scored a lot. But Linehan was tremendous. The game goes about three minutes. I think they went to the under 16. And Joe almost had had the ball stolen once and then it went on off his foot out of bounds for a turnover, not a steal, but he clearly was having problems with Lin- He hadn't seen anyone like this. T- Titus Ivory came up to him, and they told me later, and said, you want me to bring the ball up? And, and Titus said, don't be prideful in his North Carolina accent. And, uh, and Joe, uh, Joe agreed. He acquiesced. And from then on, that was the right plan, where John Linehan had to chase Joe Crispin around picks and screens and, and, and he wore him out uh, by the end of the game. And it was, it ended up a 10 point game, but Linehan had to take himself out with four minutes to go in what would be a 10 point Penn state win. That's how well that plan worked. We will see uh, what they do with Wade Taylor, but Wade Taylor is a problem. Uh, I think for Penn state. Yeah, I, uh, when I was reading your piece about that, and, and you mentioned in there too, just his floater. I feel like that's a low key thing that Penn State fans should know, is because that's such like a I, I don't know, it's such a small guard. But if you can do it right, you know, and, and if it's falling, it's it's a real backbreaker, especially in the NCAA tournament. I don't know if you ever played a guy like that that has that floater. I, I'm normally on the low block, yo, banging elbows. <laughs> You're not so I'm, I'm big not enough to be on the low block. Let's <laughs> 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 well, see, that's YMCA basketball, but. Guarding a really quick guy with a floater, Tim Frazier developed that shot uh, later in his career at Penn State, and it, it was unguardable because if you're really quick and you're worried, you, you do one one jab step or, or start start really driving hard and then pull up, you're, you're not pulling up and then jumping. You're pulling up and then the ball's gone. There's no warning. It's almost impossible to guard if you have an accurate floater and you're that quick. It's just a really, really difficult shot to defend. And it's difficult when you don't have a seven foot two guy in the middle there just swatting, you know, basically providing that that rim presence too. It's it's easier to get in and and, and get access to it. So. Right. So you gotta be careful. I mean, that's what position yeah. defense is. So I just think Wade Taylor is the uh, secret sauce that AM is going to have. And I'm not sure if they're going to be able to reverse engineer it. Uh, they also have an old Michigan State guy that this team is going to know, and Julius Marble, who is uh, an aircraft an aircraft carrier, is Al McGuire. People of a certain age will remember that. You know, he's 6'9, 250 or something. And he, he, they do have that guy. They've got guys who can block shots, and they've got guys who can hit the offensive boards. They're an ugly team, but they're a, they're, they are a problem as far as their physical gift. I wouldn't say physical as in bouncing people around because they're not really that, that tall or anything. I just mean in the, in the way that they, they move. They play fast, especially on defense. It's going to be a difficult one. Again, we talked about the seeding. We talked about how you know, Texas A&M is battle-tested and Buzz Williams is battle-tested as a coach. Uh, we're going to, we're going to see what the Nittany Lions have. And, and I mean, if they're hitting threes, then it might be all mood. If they just go nuclear from, from distance, then, you know, that's one of those things that it's like, okay, well, 
well, let's go. But if they're not, and they're going to have to create offense and, you know, yeah, you do trust Jalen Pickett, especially down the stretch of games normally when they just go ISO ball with him and, and let him cook, whether it's him taking it to the rim or passing it out to a shooter, it, it's, it does feel like a difficult matchup for them and an unfortunate one uh, given the seating, given everything that goes into this. But we'll see, I guess, at 9.55 or whenever they tip on Thursday night. You know, sometimes, you know, those games start later than usual. But, Dave, before we wrap up here on the Blue White Breakdown, do you want to – did you make your picks already in terms of Final Four? Do you want to go over that or you want to save that for another time? Or uh, I think I had Alabama, Marquette, Texas A&M. I picked them to, to go all the way through. Because I think if they get through this gantlet they got right here, they 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 got to they got to beat two really good teams in Penn State and Texas. But I think they're they're tougher than Texas. I do. I think Texas is more equipped, more more ammo certainly. But I think they're waiting to play Texas. If they beat Penn State, they're going to be a really really tough out. So I've got them getting to Kansas City, and then I I'm not impressed with Indiana it's a long shot, but there's always one long shot. And if there should be a long shot any year, it would be this year. Right. So, uh, and I can't remember who the other bracket was. I'm so tired. I'm, I'm assuming, I'm assuming also you got Kansas, UConn, Gonzaga, UCLA. Oh yeah, that's where I got, I've got UConn. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So do I. Yes. Yeah, so we've got a pretty similar final four. Other than I've got UConn, A&M, Marquette, Alabama. Okay. That's who it is. I've got, I've got UConn, Houston. Alabama sure. and uh, and Marquette, and I've got Houston actually winning it. People are picking Indiana over Houston, and that's insanity. You know, even with Marquette, Kent State, Kent State is going to beat Indiana. Kent State's going to the Sweet Sixteen. <laughs> well, I'll give him a real shot, but there's a lot of history in that matchup. The Kent State coach was fired as part of the uh, Kelvin Sampson re- regime at Indiana. There's a lot of history there. Plus, they played 20 years ago in the tournament to get to the Final Four. Uh, I think it was oh oh two, uh, so there's a lot of history between those teams. I don't know if Kent will beat them, but Kent is a really tough little team that has they they went into uh, they went into Kansas and were leading. They went into Gonzaga and were leading both of those games in at the under four, inside the under four. Uh, they didn't finish them off, but they are not afraid of anyone. They're certainly not afraid of Indiana. Well, uh, Dave, I'm looking forward to being on my couch tomorrow uh, by noon, watching college basketball all day, and uh, and I'll be looking forward to reading your stuff from out in De- lovely Des Moines, Iowa. You should you should have a kid, so then you could say, "Hey, hey, Travis, go on up and get Daddy a cold one." <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's going to be a while on that one. Uh, but <laughs> But hey, uh, yeah, looking forward to to reading your stuff, Dave, and I'm sure we'll we'll touch base on Penn State hoops right. in the coming days or whenever it is. Um, but looking forward to it, and, and listeners, be you know be sure to check out Dave's content on PennLive.com. We'll be uh, writing some really good stuff from Iowa, and uh, we'll see how the Nets do. But yeah, this has been the latest episode of the Blue White Breakdown, and uh, join us next time. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. 